This weekend, the battery in my Apple TV third generation remote died, and it's the closest I've come to wanting to replace the Apple TV. Can you can you not replace the battery in the remote? You certainly can, but it's a watch battery, so that's basically a weekend project. How do how do you even get it out? It's it's been a while since I've seen one of those remotes, but I don't recall there being some like easily accessible battery slot. I'm sure there is. It's not like do you remember the when the um the original Intel iMac came out and then they had the little magnetic attached uh white Apple remote? Yes. So that one was really weird because it had um a, a little spring-loaded thing that you'd poke with a paperclip and then a little white tray would pop out where you'd put the watch battery. Um on the metallic remote, there's a thing that you would like twist with a coin. So it's it's probably not that hard, but that's uh yeah, it's thrown it's thrown things a little bit off. That's kind of how this I have the uh Apple wireless Bluetooth keyboard. Like not not the latest one, I guess, but um So not the magic keyboard, but the, <laughs> right. the but the one that has kind of the weird uh spiral thing at the top. Yeah, the one the one that's lacking magic. <laughs> exactly. It um the the muggle keyboard. The um, wow, very good. Is that what that means? That's it the is, only thing yeah. I know about Harry Potter. That's great. Good for you. It's something about nine and three quarters. I don't know if that's the right number or not. Um, if I <laughs> is there something with three quarters? Yes. All right, then I'm eighty percent right. That's a B minus. You, you might get. You, you might be right. It's been a while since I've read the books. But anyway, uh, on on this keyboard, it has a similar setup with the battery compartment, where you need either a flathead screwdriver or some type of coin. Larger than a penny. I don't think a penny would work. Or a dime. So probably a nickel. Nickel or a quarter. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 don't think, I don't think a penny or a dime would do the job. I'm just giving my fair assessment there. You understand how, how thick nickels are, right? Yeah, I do. But this is a fairly thick little slot. Hmm. Yeah. Not a magical slot, again. But, you know. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, there you have it. Yeah. So eventually, you want to you you start the show? No, no. I think we're doing well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think this is. Uh, we'll keep this all off the air, as you would say. I I, I think once Apple embraces uh, this whole podcasting thing and adds paid subscriptions and charges thirty percent, I think this is what people will pay for. Yeah, we should we should come back to that. We should. But no. Um, I've had to, to, in order to supplement and be able to use the Apple TV, I've had to use the iOS remote app. And I don't know if this was always that way, but apparently like every time like my screen would dim on my phone or like the phone would go to sleep, I have to like force quit the app to get it to work again. Nice. Have you had that level of unreliability or not really, or you haven't used the, the remote app in years? I've used it less with the new Apple TV because the remote's quite a bit better, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I use it occasionally still, and no, I, I have not had that type of issue with it. Although now I now that you've told me about it and I've said that I don't have the issue, it'll probably start happening tomorrow. Exactly. That seems like there seems to be this weird thing between you and I where one of us will be experiencing some type of technical issue that the other isn't experiencing. We share it either on the show or off the air, and then shortly thereafter, the other person starts to experience it. Well, then let's keep it going because... Uh... I think notifications are basically entirely broken on both of my iOS devices. Is this some some follow-up? No, I, I don't even think this is Apple Watch related. I, I think just straight up 
notifications like my apple account or my apple id has been like flagged as like maybe i said something unkind last week or something but it just it just doesn't work you know like the thing where if you would dismiss a notification on one device 82 percent of the time it would dismiss on the other one right yeah no more i, I get duplicate notifications i get not- persistent notifications that are somehow unclearable uh, it's 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 insane i've restarted my phone i've done a whole lot of stuff i don't think you can like deregister your phone entirely from push notifications i've tried it on like a per app basis thinking it was just certain apps but it's not um like i'm on the i'm on the beta builds of slack and uh, and it's not that it's it's the phone itself so i've noticed that from time to time between my iphone and ipad where throughout the day i'll clear notifications from my iphone but then when i get home many or all of those notifications will still be on my iPad. And my theory as to why that's happening is because sometimes there are apps that I haven't opened in a while on my iPad. So I I think that maybe iOS has basically just completely terminated those apps, including any of their background refresh capabilities, since it thinks that, well, it hasn't been used in a long time, so I'm just going to go ahead and kill this. So then it doesn't it doesn't do the communication that it needs to know that another device cleared a notification that came in. But then I don't know. I I thought the notification kind of system was a whole separate thing, you know, separate from like background app refresh, but I don't know. It's it's all a way of saying I don't know, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so hopefully you'll get that. I think I already have it. Oh, uh, it's been to such a severe degree that I it it's it's causing me lots of uh, consternation that's a big word not really oh for this show it is hmm maybe we should come back to that too uh so i have a couple of other uh stray things um a follow-up from last week uh, i talked about uh the way i have my synology configured and I lied. I, I said that I was living on the edge and I only had a single disk of redundancy, but no, that's totally inaccurate. Uh, the way I have it configured is it's since uh, I upgraded to the 8-bay Synology, I have my most critical data on a uh, RAID 1 simple mirror using two 3-terabyte hard drives, and then the remaining six are in a one-disk redundancy uh, SHR1 array. So I kind of have two. SHR1. I I am not familiar with that. Uh, SHR1 is Synology Hybrid RAID, and there's either one or two, depending on how many uh, disks you reserve uh, towards redundancy. Uh, So that's what that is. And that's the one where you can uh, mix and and match disk sizes and uh, expand it on the fly. This sounds much like the Drobo setup where you're kind of like one software command away from just going completely blowing away that partition correct and that's why for my most critical data i did the standard raid one where if something goes wrong i should in theory please don't write me about this because i don't <laughs> want to know um be able to pull out the drive and just straight up it's the way it is because it's just literally copying bit for bit what's on the other drive Also, well, speaking of hard drive uh, ba- uh follow-up can we get a, an update on how the uh, the backup's going? 700 gigs uploaded. Okay, that's pretty Still good. going. Still going. I haven't gotten any nasty phone calls from Comcast yet. <laughs> I assume I will, because there's still much more to go. How, wait, so how much more is there to go? I think it's like 1.4 terabytes in total. 
my Lightroom library is enormous. Okay, so you're you're halfway there. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's working pretty well. And it's is it just running pretty much around the clock, except for maybe times where you know you actually want to use use your internet. It's actually not bad. Um, I think I the Synology uh, is somehow because like whenever I do like big uploads, sometimes it will like saturate my internet connection, and then download stuff becomes unusable. Um, it 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 pegs it at like one point five megabytes. Uh, Bytes. I think, I think you're thinking of megabits. You know the difference between those, right? I, I do. I'm just, okay. Just having no, that, some fun. That, that's that's why I spelled it out. Just because it's I it's um, no, it's always been a challenge. Like people are wondering, like, oh, why is my 10 megabit connection not giving me 10 you're, megabytes down? You're over you're over explaining this and making it so that my joke isn't as funny. I think the joke did that. <laughs> um, but no, it's doing it like at a, at a megabyte and a half up pretty consistently, and it's not really affecting the internet connection. It um overall so i think it's uh pretty pretty okay all right a uh, couple other stray things I mean, feel free to jump in if you'd like oh sure but i mean it's, it, it's your show really so i'm just kind of along for the ride sure uh last bit of uh basketball stuff that i'll talk to uh talk about or or that i will bring up uh did you notice that the kings got a new logo i did well they, they lots of new things for them new head coach new arena lot, lots new going on for the sacramento kings did it used to be called the Sleep Train Arena? It did. What is it called now? That's a good question. I don't know who the <laughs> corporate sponsor for their new arena is. Um, should look this up here. Alexa. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, the uh, Golden One Center. Oh, yeah, they're a regional bank up there. That yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I like the logo because their old logo was terrible. Uh, yeah, the new logo's, new logo's fine. It's it's uh, a B plus, very 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 or A minus. The old one looked like kind of a um, medieval, like if medieval times had a basketball club or basketball team. Oh, that's a good uh, that's a good idea. <laughs> should maybe should maybe pitch that to them. There's no medieval times except in Anaheim, right? Uh, there's there's some like that, show like that in Las Vegas, although I don't know if it's officially affiliated with the medieval times brand but medieval times isn't like tgi fridays like it's not a franchisey thing is it um i, I can't tell you i in all my years living down there i, ne- I never went hmm. did you no god do, does that look like something i would do no I, but i you know some you might have gotten roped into a family thing i don't know <laughs> taking place at medieval times or one or one of your one of your friends may may, may have had a questionable birthday decision or something um, and then the last thing before we get into meteor topics, or if you have anything to uh, throw in here, uh, if you ask Alexa to tell you a story, uh, she she has a very uh, Amazonian response. What is what does that mean? I'll, I'll provide an audio clip uh, later if I remember, to, so you can throw it in the show. Oh yeah, we'll 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 seamlessly drop it in right here. I don't know any stories. Sorry, but there are loads to choose from in Audible. Get started by saying, play my audiobook. Which is smart, but also the most Amazon-y thing that could possibly happen. Because, because like, in, in the newsletters that they send that I, I forward you sometimes where it says, uh, here's what's new with Alexa because I'm trying to force you to buy one. Uh, it, it says, like, oh, she, she can tell you a, a riddle or a joke and all this kind of stuff. And we're like, oh, uh, tell us a story. And then she says, uh, uh, there are uh, hundreds of thousands on Audible. You should try that. Well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm just going to wait for the uh, Google chirp. 
Yeah, you're going out of order. Yeah, I know, but I, I felt like that was a natural segue. It is. It, actually, we'll have a bigger discussion about that, but I will let you take the reins because that was all my small bits. Okay. Well, we'll 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 uh, we'll tangle that uh, transition, and we'll we'll take that. We'll clip it out. We'll cut it in later into the show. We'll put just put a marker in there. Um, Were you just rapping? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I, that, yeah, possibly. I'm not. I'm not really sure. Okay. When you listen back to this, let me know. Okay. Um, so I guess so. You know, to to stay in order, as you clearly insist here. Um, so the the next item we that you have on the list here is uh, Instagram dogs, which um, I don't know if that's necessarily the biggest Instagram news of the week, but. Well, no. So a couple things. So Instagram unveiled its new uh app design as as well as a new icon i think it's mainly the icon that people are upset about even though i think it looks quite nice um but the the big, uh, slightly bigger news is that you finally gave in and joined did you not well so i i've i've been a member for quite some time now i think my <laughs> member a yeah, right yeah yeah i think um i signed up when you and i went to that and gadget event at fort mason because mm-hmm. there were some some photos from that event which I posted. So if I didn't actually sign up for Instagram there, that was the first time I used it. So that was a number of years ago. But I, I have not since been an active user, and I, I can't really tell you why. I, th- I think I think I might have even said this on the show before. Where definitely with Facebook, photos are the thing I'm most interested in, and what I what I enjoy the most, you know when using Facebook. So it would seem that, you know, Instagram's sort of a perfect fit for me in terms of a social media platform. But uh just for whatever reason I haven't have never gotten into it. But with the whole redesign that came out today, I, I thought I'd go back in and, and give it a shot. Well good. And 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 it made a place on your home screen. But uh Well yeah, you know you gotta you know me. I I I'm I'm all in or I'm not in it at all. But specifically, I think for you to get the uh, the usefulness that you need out of it, I think it's incredibly important that you're following kind of the right uh, accounts. And I think you, what you need to do is completely skip uh, the humans mm. and just go straight straight to the dogs. That's that's good advice, not only in Instagram but in life, really. Basically, so I'm gonna send you a couple links here. Okay, so the first one that we have is Mary Todd Lincoln Kaufman. Mm-hmm. She's a, a a bookstore dog. So she's out the of Tennessee. She's the, she's the first lady of adorable. Mm-hmm. Hence, hence the the handle. Oh boy, it's, it's quite quite a quite a few links. We have friend friendly Henley the corgi, who is pretty darn cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just I'm looking through like the first twenty accounts I follow. There are many more. But we have Smalls the Corgi, who's also uh, pretty adorable. Gosh, this Instagram logo online, like in the in the little fav icon in Chrome, doesn't really look the best. But we'll we'll come back to that. Um, so we have em- Emily Wang Girl plus pups, and there there's there's a Corgi and some other pups here. Uh, Chelsea the Terrier. She has a big flower on her head. That's interesting. 
uh, rosy bear corgi. That's n- another pretty cute corgi. Starting she's to see New- a bit of a trend here. She's from New Zealand. Oh. Uh, we have Riley the Black Lab. We have Life with Elroy, which I, I believe he's been mentioned on the show before. This is this is one of your favorites, right? I, I, I must stop you and correct you. He, he's Leroy Milo Brown. Oh, I'm, I'm, my, my apologies to Elroy. <laughs> um, we have Corganista. Pretty, pretty cute. Multiple, multiple corgis involved here. Yeah, so she's Maki, and then there's also her adopted brother, uh, uh, Bubba. Huh. And there's Cornelius, uh, mm-hmm. who is also accompanied by Stumphrey. Mm-hmm. Two mm-hmm. corgi bros waddling around West LA. Mm-hmm. Your favorite type of corgi. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last but not least, we have um, uh, what? What is a new a new today? A new it. A new a okay. I'm not gonna try to say that. <laughs> Making your day with a new it a day. Okay. Well, I guess I did just say it. It helps. It helps when they've got the hyphens in there. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to set you up for success. I want you to have the best. Uh, put your best foot forward on Instagram, and really the. Uh, uh, Leroy is is probably the best dog on Instagram, like bar none. So make it make it all about him. But Rosie Bear in New Zealand's also pretty cute. Uh, but you you gotta you gotta mix it up because otherwise, if you just follow like all your Facebook friends on Instagram, it's just people taking pictures of like them on vacation when trying to make themselves look as good as they possibly can, um, and and like pictures of food. And that's where I think people get burnt out or like Instagram fatigue. Is when it's all like just like the same like false artsy picture of something, and you know there uh, there are many Instagram cliches that you will you will come to know. So you gotta you gotta have a steady mix of of dogs in the same way that Darth uh, mixes up your Twitter timeline, so it's not just a uh, uh, petulant tech people all the time. You gotta you gotta diversify the Instagram feed. So the one thing I am a little disappointed in this list is the lack of golden retrievers. Ooh, well, again, I, I <laughs> let me um, uh, let me. I didn't go through through my entire list. One, and I know that this isn't what you recommend. Here we go. But um, no, what what do we have here? Ah, see there, there we go. There again, you got to mix it up. I that was just like the first, uh, like that was going through half of my Instagram follows. Yeah, that that's good. Yeah. Uh, well, so what I what I was gonna say was that they when I opened the app made quite a few recommendations uh, for people f- uh, for me to follow, mm-hmm. and I, I generally found that the recommendations were pretty good. A lot of my Facebook friends, and then also um, a couple of brands. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, I I think the, the kind of initial setup experience was was pretty good this afternoon. And then now I've got this list of dogs, and I, I, I think actually really all I need actually is this most recent one you, you sent me. Yeah, and uh, Instagram is actually pretty good uh, once you start following, and particularly once you start liking things. Uh, the Explore tab, which is the second one uh, on the bottom row, actually is very, very good at helping you find new things that you'd actually want to look at. Hmm. So uh, use it, like stuff. Uh, enjoy some dogs and then see where it takes you yeah it's a very good uh like 
thing to prevent you from just staring at a stale Facebook news feed or just opening Twitter for the 8,000th time. Yeah, I do that a lot. You know, it's like when, when you just have two minutes of time, you're like, I, I already saw this. Yeah. Or there's nothing new in uh, New York Times now. Right, exactly. I really dislike that New York Times now has ads. I'm paying $15 a month for it. Yeah, don't remind me. Every time I see that charge pop up across the screen on Apple Pay, it, it frustrates me. Because I, I enjoy it, but the only true advantage that I really felt that that subscription had, New York Times now, became free to everybody, and then they just uh, it, like, put tons of ads in it. Yeah, pretty much. I still if do, it, if I still it was do an fine. ad-free version, totally, I'd, I'd be all for it. But I, st- I still do find the New York Times to be kind of the, the go-to source for me. It's a good value. I, I don't understand what everybody else is doing in the sense that it seems like every newspaper is trying to do the same thing. So like, if you wanted to have... like the LA Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Wall Street Journal, and let's say like the Washington Post, like you're paying 15 bucks for each of those. That's madness. Actually, I think the Wall Street Journal is, is considerably more than that. Yeah, it might be. I, I, I don't, I'm not a uh, WSJ subscriber, as you would say. You don't get the journal. I, I, oh, yeah, oh, the, the journal, sorry. You're <laughs> there right. you go. Mm-hmm, thank you. Yes. You're more, <laughs> you're more of a USA Today man. Hmm. I can't. I can't say I've ever read a USA Today article. That, that's an old-fashioned uh, um, movie insult or, or movie joke. Yeah, my only point of reference for USA Today is the second Back to the Future movie. It's it's the it's the hall it's the hotel hallway newspaper that nobody reads. Hmm. I always thought that it w- that was its cultural significance. Well, that sounds about right. Yeah. So I think I think that's it for Instagram dogs. Yeah, I'm still I'm a little distracted by Kimmy Wimmy. Oh, they're they're so good. Yeah, um, pretty good. Yeah, if you want, uh, you you should look at my profile and just backtrack based on who I follow because I I have all like the 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 general tech people on there plus uh, a healthy smattering of dogs. Yeah. All right, so this takes us to another um, critical point that uh, centers on you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Your home screen. Yeah, we're covering this again. Yeah, we're we're coming back to that. Hmm. So you said, I think your response was that you have so many questions. So fire away. Still concerned that you have not adopted the reserved thumb space. No, never, never. <laughs> that's, that's madness. Hmm. You, can't, you can't tell me that Apple's original design for the iPhone home screen in 2007 is still applicable today. I I know that when you when you buy a new iPhone, it still comes that way. But I think that's a decade of of American legacy right God, there. Don't don't put it that way. Why? Because it makes you feel old. Yeah. We can talk about that for an how, hour. How, really how has the iPhone almost been out for a decade? That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Um, that's disturbing. Don't make don't make me remind you of of, of other things. Like, well, <laughs> There, yeah. there were people born who will be attending college soon that were born in a year that starts with 20. A year, okay, you're, you're never allowed to say that again on this, on this program. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. If, we wouldn't be talking about that if you just reserved some thumb space. No. So keep, ne- keep that in mind. Mm-mm. Okay. The camera icon not being where the camera is still perplexes me. Uh, what, what do you mean? 
the reason the camera app icon is placed in the upper right is because on the other side of the phone, that's where the camera is, so that your hand knows not to cover the camera. Yeah, but particularly with the iPhone 6, that those upper corners are the hardest parts of the phone to reach comfortably. So then you're, you're, you're never really opening Evernote? It's just there for, as a placebo? Actually, on my phone, I, I don't open it very often. That's true. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, do you still subscribe to The Economist Espresso? I do. Well, because I, I subscribe to The Economist, yeah. Oh, how much is that? Uh, do they have a separate espresso subscription? I think they do. I think it's like $5 a month, which to me does not seem like it's worth it at all. Oh, well, I, I just subscribe to The Economist and the espresso is included with that. And how much is that? Uh, it's, I've always waffled on whether that's worth it or not. I think, I think it ends up being about 10 bucks a month. Maybe a, maybe a little less. Hmm. Okay, that's intriguing. But I but I mostly use it for espresso. All right. Uh, opinions of uh, Weather Underground's new icon. Um, it's okay. Better or worse? Uh, hmm. I think I think it's better. Okay. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. But it, it's um. It's a little busy, but it's also kind of subtle about it. Yes, and I think it definitely helps offset just the plain black icon, which, depending on your wallpaper, can be a, a sore thumb. Yeah, although the the bright letters kind of help with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For OmniFocus, do you artificially disable the uh, the badge count, or do you just have nothing due in the next two days? I... I... Um, I don't think I have the badge count set up to show future due dates. I only, pa- I only, only past due. Only past due, yeah. Okay. And as somebody, you'd mentioned in the past repeatedly that you were extremely against, um, you were very conservative on notifications and app badges. Uh, I'm interested to know your, uh, your thoughts behind uh, Momentum being allowed to have a badge. Yeah, so the, the only two apps that I allow to have a badge on the home screen there are OmniFocus and Momentum. And OmniFocus is pretty self-explanatory because when something is past due, I want that to consistently and perpetually grab my attention. And then similar with Momentum, you know, when I have uncompleted things for the day, I, I want that to be kind of a, a constant reminder. So I'm I'm very very reserved with the the badge icons in particular. I'm I'm pretty conservative with notifications in general, but particularly with the uh, icon badge notification. And so those are the the only two apps that I use it for. Got it. Well, I guess I guess I actually use it for Google Hangouts too. Although usually those are addressed at my computer. Makes sense. Cool. No, that was that was mainly it. I think it's I think it's a relatively well put together home screen. I think we've made tons of progress. Yeah. Very proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. That means Looks like your headphones need charging. Uh yeah, they're <laughs> speaking of, they're actually charging as we speak. Oh. I, I had set an I had set an omnifocus uh task to to remind myself to charge this when I got home this evening. Which I then did. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's that. Okay. All right. Where do you want to go next? 
Uh, well, I mean, we have to stay uh, in in order. No, we're per, we're, jump, per we're your... jumping around. I, I don't think we are. No, I think we're, we are. We're... You you missed the first one then. The the follow up on the Apple Watch mm-hmm. didn't did, did I did I fall into a fugue state? I thought we talked about that. No, what did we talk about? Uh, I thought it was the notification discussion. Was that was that not? No, that was totally unrelated. Oh, well, what's the what's the Apple Watch follow up? I'm I, I'm apolo- I apologize for skipping that. <laughs> My goodness! You're about to say you were appalled. <laughs> I'm, I am. I'm. I'm appalled at myself. I'm. I feel like we just need to start the show over again. We might have to. Yeah. Uh, again, this is a premium podcast. We gotta. We gotta figure this out. Yeah, it's one of it's one of Apple's uh, handpicked uh, pay to play premium podcasts. <laughs> that was that was an alliterative alliterative sentence. Yes. So, yesterday or last night, either. I forgot to charge my watch, or it didn't charge, even though I set it on there. But uh, either way, earlier today, my watch went dead halfway through the workday. And in a reversal of maybe my negativity and my um, my absolutism in how I was speaking last week on the discussion, I, I, I genuinely missed the watch when it wasn't there. My pocket started buzzing for the first time in like a year, and it was the worst. Yeah, I've in over a year owning the apple watch now i've never had it die on me it has never run out of battery so i I haven't had that experience although i would imagine if i did i would have a similar reaction to you which is why the hell is my phone vibrating and like oh I, i forgot it did that i was setting timers on the phone that made noise like an animal yeah and it actually did make noise like an animal because i used the dog barking as the timer um so yeah, a, a, on a complete opposite example, uh, one of my coworkers who also has an Apple Watch went on vacation a, a few weeks ago, and he was saying that when he was on vacation, he never wore the Apple Watch. In fact, I, I think maybe he didn't even take it with him. And he said he didn't miss it at all. And I thought that was just like the, the most damning thing you could say about the Apple Watch. I was surprised. I mean, with, with, for all of its faults, which we talked about, you know, exclusively or exclusively, extensively last week. I, I still very much do enjoy having it on my wrist every day. And I think that's what I'm here to uh, uh, reconcile uh, versus last week, which is, I think if you think of the Apple Watch as a very stripped down product in terms of let, let's ignore these notification bugs that I don't know if they're a 9.3.1 problem or if my Apple ID is cursed or, or what the deal is. It, let's say notifications worked. It as a notifications device a timer that I wear on my wrist at all times, uh, something that turns my lights on and off, uh, and, and something that I can occasionally like play pause or uh, rewind a podcast that's playing on a Bluetooth speaker. Like that's overall like a good product. It's just that it tries to do a bunch of other stuff at the same time that makes everything slower and it like gums up the works. But the core functionality of it is actually pretty decent. Like if they iterated on that, it would be an extremely worthwhile product for a a large number of people. And I think just they they fear, like Apple overall just feared when it came out and also probably to this day that they're not, that if they don't have the story of all the things it can do and if there's not like a laundry list of things it's able to do, that nobody's going to want to buy it. Rather than old Apple, I think, and that whether that's fair or not, 
that would release a product that might be uh, particularly limited, but was damn good at what it was supposed to do. Did you do you really turn your lights on and off using your Apple Watch? It depends because a part of uh, Hue lights is that you can uh, dim them. So inside, once I open the Hue Mote app, which is a third party, uh, <laughs> Philips, it's it's good, right? That's yeah. a good name. <laughs> it's it's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, it's a third party app because the actual Philips Hue app is just absolutely terrible. Not even just on the watch, but on the um, on the iPhone itself. But no, it allows you to set up scenes where I just have one that says like 10% brightness, half brightness, and 100% brightness. And that app actually loads extremely quickly, and I just tap on it, and it's good to go. Because the thing is, like, because I have the watch, I'm much less worried, or uh, or I, I don't really have to have the phone in my pocket at all times. Like, if I'm going from the bedroom to the living room, and I'm jumping on my iMac, like, my phone can stay in the other room, and it's mostly okay, because I can answer iMessages on my Mac. And if I get a notification for something else, it just goes to the watch. So in that sense, um, yeah, I forgot what the original question was. But I just, I just, uh, it feels like turning your lights on and off would, with you using your Apple Watch, would neither be easier or faster than either just physically turning the lights on and off or you know using your phone. Well, a couple of things. One, I can't turn the lights on and off normally. Uh, other, and and in most cases, I'm using Alexa for that. Oh, is, is that because you have to have the switch just always turned on? Correct. Ugh. But it's fine. Hmm. No, it's it's totally fine because the thing is the lights turn on every morning at sunrise and they gradually increase in brightness. So it's an easier, more natural way to wake up. And I know that sounds really dumb, but it, it's totally not. It, it it's, does, it's great. It, it does sound kind of dumb. I'm, I'm just sorry. Sorry to be blunt, but... No, no, it's totally fine. But the thing is like I find that to be much more easier and I wake up more more naturally rather than just having a loud alarm go off and the room is still black. Do you have like blackout curtains? Well, you know what I mean. Like uh, still very dark. I guess my my room has quite a like few Like I close the blinds. Yeah, I guess my room has quite a few windows and even it, with the blinds, you know, it it just kind of naturally gets brighter as as the sun comes up. So I feel like I I've got that but just like for free with the sun. But like I I think solar power might be onto something. Yeah, there might be a future there, unless Apple finds a way to monetize sunlight mm. and and find a way to find out when you stop paying attention to the sun and sell ads against it. I think they would rather just be like a star directory. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty good. It's pretty good when you think about it. <laughs> I think that's genuinely the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> wow! Thank you. No, because that's it, it, work, that's it works on it works on a lot of levels. No, no, that's that's smart. Like that's that's a brainy joke. Thank you, thank you very much. I I did my homework this week. I read those articles. Did you did you prepare that in advance? <laughs> no, I, I I swear I did not. Star Directory. Okay, if that's not a show title, I'm I'm <laughs> you're, you're I'm, I'm resetting your Squarespace password. No, I've <laughs> I've I've written it down. Um, no, but no. Uh, if you, you should someday, if you ever have a, like if you ever get a, just a random, uh, somebody just throws $80 at you at the street or something. <laughs> I can't even yeah, think that, of it. it's a, it's a, it's a common occurrence, believe it or not. 
It's great. Like no, like like eighty dollars just falls out of somebody's Tesla when they're when they're driving by. I, I you hue lights are, are the best, and 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 you, you should try them. How many how many light bulbs do I get for that? Depends on what kit you buy. Or no, I'm saying for eighty bucks, what do, what do I get? You get the bridge and two lights. Two lights. Yeah. So right right now in this room, I've I've got. So I've got like seven lights in here. What mansion are you living in? Well, so I've got like a ceiling fan thing that's got three, and I've got my little. Yeah, that doesn't count. Why not? Uh, how many light fixtures do you have? Judge it that way. Well, okay. So if you count those three, that's that's one, and then I've got a desk lamp here. And I've got two bedside but, lamps. Well, but hold on. How do you control your desk lamp? It's usually just a switch directly on it. You wouldn't use a hue light for that. Well, then what, what's the point? If I, I I'm for things you have to log and hue lights for things that you'd have to use um, a light switch for, but like on a wall. Hmm. Okay. Like I, I don't think uh, like a, a desk lamp that's generally not on unless you're like you're at your computer. In which case you wouldn't. Nah, I don't think that counts. <laughs> so so I so basically I just shouldn't get any because you know, none of my lights are applicable is what you're saying. You don't have lights that turn on through a switch. Well, the the or ceiling, you have to walk up to the ceiling fan does. Anyway, we're, we're getting off track. Yeah, this was uh, I was trying to praise a responsive Apple Watch app, and then somehow this this devolved. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I was saying nice things about the Apple Watch for some. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. If if it's just so, why do you think? Where do you think things got off track? Like why? Like old Apple again? Do you, you understand what I mean in the sense that they would usually err on the side of doing too little and making sure that that's just rock solid compared to what this was? Like, do you have do you have a sense of why you think that happened? I I, they, I think they felt an undue pressure to have apps be in the first version, which is what we talked a lot about last week. I think that really detracts from the entire experience like j- just again what we talked about last week with clicking the crown taking you to that just completely worthless honeycomb view of all your apps th- that clicking the the digital crown should do something much more useful than that so do you think there's a middle ground that they could have struck do you think like if, if you had your way or you were like the product manager or something or if you were tim cook do you think you would have said no apps whatsoever, or do you think you would have forced them to scale it back and say, you know what, for the first couple of generations, it's just glances and complications? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. Was, you know, hey, we've got third-party app support. We're really excited about it. The The two ways that you can have your third-party app integrate into the OS are through glances and through complications. Boom, done. And then over time, you could think about expanding the functionality to third-party apps like once the processor's there. Right. But, it, you know, one of the interesting things is with the the iPhone, There, I mean, it was obvious from even just the very first announcement what an app on the phone could, could look like potentially. I mean, it just was, you know, literally infinite potential. But with the, with the watch, even when the processing power is there and the battery life is there, I'm still not really sure exactly what a useful third-party app looks like. I think it's kind of like oh, like what MLB at bat tries to do. Like again, where you can just, if like, let's say there was, you, you had a glance there and you tapped on the score and it just said like, uh, who's pitching or like you could scroll and just see like, um, 
the the plays from the past couple innings. I think things like all the apps just need to try to do way less than they do and more embrace kind of the limitations and like use cases that one would actually want to use that for. Like you have to think, what does somebody want to use on a postage stamp size display? Yeah, but even in that example, I agree that's something you could do on the watch and depending on the design, it actually could you know look nice and be very functional. But I also don't necessarily think that it would be any better or quicker than just looking at that information on your phone through even like a notification center widget or simply by just opening the app itself. I agree, but I I don't want to be too limiting in the sense I think it still could be good. Like I'm trying to think there's there's one other good watch app. And again, I I and I say that knowing that there's like 60 on my watch that probably do nothing. Oh, Authy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason Snell mentioned that on this week's upgrade. And yeah, that's true. Like, other than the fact that it takes, like, six seconds to load, but in the sense that, like, let's say I'm on my iMac and the my phone's in the bedroom and I need to log into Google, like, that's it's perfect. And that's something that you couldn't do through a glance or probably couldn't do very effectively. Right. So, again, there are certain applications that should be there, and, and I think that's cool, but... Uh, yeah, I, I anyway, overall my whole thing was just that I think I was a bit too critical on it last week, but it's still it it needs to be scaled back and rethought a little bit. But based on me my it running out of battery earlier today, it still holds uh like a spot in my workflow in my daily life where I'm glad it's there. Even if it was just like a a, a timer that sits on my wrist, that's good enough. You know, I the best thing I could say is that I'm really, really excited to see what they do with version two. It's not not a product line that I I want to give up completely by any means. Yeah, yeah looks like the Warriors did it. Sorry. Oh, they did. Well, it's not, it's not over yet. There's 24 seconds, but okay. Yeah, up five points. Hmm. Okay, that was my uh, follow up there. Uh, Watch. Well, ooh, one other thing. Uh, my. Uh, knockoff uh leather watch uh band came oh is that that is that going to be your pick of the week no based on well (laughs) it's fine c minus okay but also a fifth the price all right so when you when you factor in the price you paid maybe a b plus or so no i think the c minus includes the price okay like it it's uh, the quality uh, i mean uh like the fit and finish is actually pretty good but like where it attaches to the watch it's a like a touch too big like not like it's sticking out but like just by a couple millimeters it's just not right um it's just yeah it's not as good as the apple one but it's actually but for 30 dollars, it was totally worth it as a gamble and actually uh like it quite a bit more than the sport band because for me the sport band uh like with my wrist size i'm like either like I'm right in between notches where one's either a touch too tight or one's uh, a bit too loose. Whereas with this one, that's not a problem because it has just such um, like almost infinite adjustments. Hmm. Yeah. So I encourage you to try out more uh, knockoff Apple watch bands and let me know which ones are good, but I can tell you the uh, blue leather 42 millimeter uh, magnetic one from Shenzhen BRG Corp. 
C minus. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll, well, we'll keep an eye out for your, uh, your full written review. Sure. Google Chirp? Yeah, so we made a joke of this near the beginning of the show. Um, this is apparently Google's rumored response to the Amazon Echo. And I, I guess the reason I wanted to bring it up was I'd be curious to hear from you as an owner of the Echo. What, what doesn't the Echo do or what doesn't it do very well that you'd want to see a product from Google do better? So a few things. I have my misgivings about Amazon and my privacy. I have way more of them with Google. Putting a device in my house that is made and manufactured and connected through Google that is always listening, whether or not it, it says it is, I have way more privacy concerns about that than I do with an Amazon product. So that's number one. I've had many Android phones over the years. I do think that uh, Google Voice Search and the OK Google function is probably the best of any of the uh, voice search technologies right now, with Amazon being second and Siri being a distant third. But I'm not really sure I would want that from Google. And I think Google has proven that they don't know how to do hardware in most cases. I think they make a couple of decent... Like, uh, what, 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 what would you call the Nexus line of phones? Like, where does that fit in the market? They're not like, they're not like developer reference handsets. They're, um, no, they're, they're not that. I'd say they're like, I don't know, mid-tier consumer devices. But like with the fact that they don't have all the crapware and they're supposed to be like the idealized Android experience, does that separate them at all or not really? Uh, not, not really anymore. I don't think. Okay. But like, I, I don't think that's pr- like, in the, remember, do you remember that Nexus Q thing? Oh, I, I took me a, took me a second, but yes. The thing that's just like, it was like this weird ball that I think the only point of it was so that you could stream, uh, just like stereo audio, not even video off of your Android phone. And it was like $300. Yeah. And it, it, it was weird because it had, it was, it was like, it was relatively small but it had like a million different cables that could be coming out of it because it had, gosh, what did it have? It had, so I'm looking at a photo here. It had optical out, Ethernet, mini HDMI or micro HDMI. I don't, I don't know what that standard is called. Uh, micro USB. And then it also had, I guess, um, are these like composite outputs maybe? Um, <laughs> oh, you mean just like left and right RCA? RCA, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Composite video. Well, I th- that's that's what I was thinking it was at first, but no, I guess I guess it's oh, you know what it actually might be too is um might be like speaker. I don't know. I, I just I put I put a Slack. I was put a photo in the Slack, which is taking forever for some reason. Um, yeah, I don't know if I don't even don't even know if these are like speaker wire slots or or what these are. But I, I just remember there were some photos where people had, you know, multiple uh, ports connected with with wires, and it just, you know, for a, such a small little device, it looked kind of kind of funny having so many cables. Wait, what is that? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm not. I'm actually not entirely sure. And there's this other photo. God, this, I was, have. this was such a weird device. Did did it actually even? 
it didn't really even come out, right? Like they they honored pre-orders. So if like if you pre-ordered one, they they shipped you one, but they didn't actually make it generally available. I think they only shipped like a couple thousand of them. Right. They're they probably go for like a thousand dollars on eBay or something. I don't think now. they do. I think they go they go for like two. Yeah. Hundred. Sorry, two dollars. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Not two thousand. Like so. Anyway, the whole point of this was sorry, getting off track. Um, was that it, it, Google has a weird history with hardware, and so no, I I, I don't I, I understand where an always on listening device is an interesting uh, uh product category, and I think uh, everybody, including myself, kind of laughed at Amazon when they initially did the Echo, and now everybody thinks they want to get in on it. But I think maybe Apple has more of a place to be looking for something like this than Google. Uh, again, mainly because I think Google has a lot of uh, kind of privacy concerns hanging around it much more than Amazon. And I just don't really know what it would do otherwise. So not not to uh, just continue to derail this conversation, but I, I'm, I'm really fascinated with the queue here. So I uh, on eBay these go for about a hundred bucks, hundred hundred and twenty dollars. So a third of what it was supposed to retail for. Yeah, and uh, it does appear based on some of the cables that are included with some of these that the the ports that we're seeing are for are for speaker wire. What's a banana connect? I don't. I'm not not entirely sure. I didn't think I didn't think I was that out of the loop on home theater stuff, but what, I've never heard of this. Well, so I I think I think this is because you could. You could maybe somehow like connect this thing to like a receiver, so you'd you'd want you know your your right and left speaker wire to be able to plug into this thing. But isn't that what optical audio is for? Well, yeah, also HDMI, but um, I don't know. Like maybe you had some kind of like legacy receiver or something. So, and I I do like. I mean, per, you know, per, one could argue maybe not the uh, most well thought out product. Sure. I do like the balls of uh, this guy who's selling uh, an Apple Apple TV Generation One for two hundred ten dollars. Well, so the reason for that is because people jailbreak them. I, I think I told you that the the Apple TV that you have that that I sold prior to getting the newest one sold for more than I bought it for by by quite a, by quite a bit. But this is the one that came out in like 2009. I know, but I still think people people buy them because you can jailbreak them and do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, in fact, I think the listing that you're looking at even highlights the fact that it's jailbroken. That people people pay a big premium for that. But still, you no, know, I oh believe me, I when I sold mine, I I was completely baffled by it. But I was like, hey, I got like 70 more bucks for this thing, and I thought I was going to. So awesome. Um, Wait. So, which generation is that? In which case, maybe I won't replace my my, my Apple Watch battery or my uh, Apple TV. Or my I, I think yeah. I think it was just the same generation that you have, and I ended up selling it for like either the same price or more than like what the new one costs. Hmm. Google making a trip. Yeah. Uh, well, one one more thing on the Nexus Q. I like this guy. This eBay listing. He. He notes that it's rare. I I appreciate that. Just a just a friendly reminder. Sorry, I forgot to close the tab on Kimmy with me. No, it's yeah, it's pretty good. Um 
so yeah, I, I don't really see the point of, well, I, I'm sure I, uh, Android users would, would like this, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think this is as compelling. I, I think Amazon as kind of a neutral third party in the uh, smartphone wars, now that the Fire Phone is not a thing, rest in peace, but I think they have a much more sensible place in this world, whereas I'm not sure what Google gets out of it or if this will, if that would ever take off. So, yeah, I think there's more of an opportunity for Apple to do something like that, but they would, they would have to greatly adjust how Siri operates and works and, and um, do some things to try to make Siri, what's, what's the word, good? <laughs> I think that's the technical term, yeah. I for, I'd, I'd forget if it's if this was discussed on upgrade, but the I I super don't or maybe this was the talk show, but I really it's it's beginning to be very grating that Siri is so joking. Oh yeah, we we've talked about that here. I I would much rather them focus on them making it good and accurate than witty. Well, no, but the different the problem is that when it gets something wrong, like I can I can accept some inaccuracy and in it not being uh, not getting it all the time, but when it tries to do a jokey response to the fact that it failed, that's that's when that's that's when that gets uh, tiresome. Exactly right. Yeah. Anyway, I look forward to uh, Amazon continuing to uh, develop the Echo, and yeah, I, I I don't see where this goes for Google, but. Again, they're they're big on moonshots. So, oh, that that is a that is a wonderful transition. I teach a master's class in segways. Mm. <laughs> the the ones that you ride. No, S E G U E. Oh, got it. Yes. So, the, who whose article was that? Was this this week? This uh, Farhad Manju, who runs uh, who or who writes for the New York Times. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So the the premise was that you know Apple needs to be kind of more like Google in the sense that instead of being really picky about what they work on and only investigating a small number of products and areas, they, they instead just kind of need to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And I wanted to see what you thought about that because I, I completely disagree with it, but I want to see if maybe there's, there's some merit to it. So it's been a while since I read the article, like this was uh, late last week, I believe. So I'm not sure. I think the article be, or the premise of the article, which again, I might be getting wrong, could be taken in two different ways. Like, because when Google does like their moonshot projects, that usually means things like the like the self-driving car, things that are way, way off base. So I think that's different than what Apple would do because I think what uh, maybe how you suggested it right now is that Apple just make more products and just do their best and if it fails kill it off in like t- uh, 12 months. And and I think maybe that's not exactly what he means. Like maybe he means get more like outside of their comfort zone and and, and do things that are maybe not immediately profitable. And just be more exploratory in what type of projects they they create, and maybe have a lower threshold in as to what makes it to market. Yeah. So, um, essentially, as I'm trying to trying to pick out like a, a couple of sentences that sort of capture what he's trying to get at, um, and some of them that are standing out is that 
his premise is that to thrive in what he calls kind of the next era of tech, Apple needs to take a series of bigger, bolder risks. And he talks about how, you know, under Steve Jobs over the last, you know, decade and a half, that, you know, Apple's really been defined by sort of a perfectionist focus. And that, you know, he, he goes on to say that that type of attitude was, he says, perfectly suited to a particular era in tech where the rise of mobile devices was the ultimate expression of Apple's expertise in creating jewel-like hardware. Um, but then he says that the next moment in tech is likely to be dominated by data-driven online services. And in that environment, the slow search for precision and perfection might no longer be in Apple's best interest. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, and I think that makes sense in a way like, the, and the, like, and that's generally cause I do en- enjoy a lot of what he writes, but like, think that I'm sure somebody with an Apple thought of like, as they were doing Siri and maybe when they were developed, like when they saw Google develop the, um, okay, Google command, uh, on certain phones made by Motorola in like 2013, that's like, oh, the Siri technology that we we have, that could probably be a standalone device. Like, wouldn't that be interesting? But then somebody shot them down and was like, no, that that'll that'll never be a thing. We should focus only on the phone because that's what that's what is keeping the lights on. So I think stuff like that, which maybe puts a really high threshold for what is a go-to-market idea. I think there might be something to that because I think if there's one criticism or or something that somebody could like level at apple is that maybe they're too lumbering of or of a company in that they 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 don't iterate fast enough in in a lot of ways like the core applications don't get updated except for major ios releases which is like i mean that's one of the problems with apple music right now which is that it's hamstrung by the fact that there probably won't be a feature that makes it more usable uh, or like a software update until WWDC, which means probably September for like, since subscriptions are going to be Apple's future, like Apple Music is stuck on a once yearly software development cycle. I just think if they were a bit more agile, that opens them up to other things. Like, I don't think Apple's in trouble or any of that kind of stuff, but I think there's, they can try more stuff. Like Amazon tries a lot of stuff and a lot of it's successful. I, I don't know because I don't think we we're in a weird spot where we don't have old Apple, but we also don't have a new Apple either. Right. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. Like they don't, they don't have the conservatism that old Apple had, which is completely perfectly illustrated by the watch, which means where, where it looks like they said yes to absolutely everything they possibly could. But we also don't have somebody or a company that's just trying things that maybe are a little bit crazy, but could be potentially more profound and revolutionary. Well, so do you think that maybe Apple's in a transitional phase where it's transitioning from being perfectionists to more like something like Google? I really don't because, and this is, I, I don't want to get, I'm going to say this briefly because I don't want this to become a different discussion, but I think Tim Cook's Apple is is very different from Steve Jobs' Apple. And I think Tim Cook's Apple doesn't really know when to say no, 
but they're also trying to cling to the idea that they only say yes to the right things. Does that make any sense? It does, and I, I agree. I think that's a, a much bigger topic. Yeah. But I think that's, that, that's a good one that we, we, we joke about this, but we legitimately should come back to that at some point. Not, not on today's show, but... Of course. Go ahead and uh, keep that in the, in the log. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll mark that down. Yeah. Drop a marker. Uh-huh. Is okay. that what that means? Probably not. I think so. I don't think that works for future episodes. That, that's, how, that's how I've been using it. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, all right. So, so I think... Do you want to talk... I think we're going to the same place, so go for it. Oh, no, 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 no. Please, please. You, I, I insist. Future podcasting? Or uh, angry podcasters leak <laughs> a, a, a weird story to a major media outlet because they're, they're, they're fussy with Apple? Yeah. So so you you give the you give the background to the folks on what this is. So again, everybody should be listening to the far better program than ours upgrade for for the actual <laughs> hey, discussion. Hey, come on now. You're 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 not you're again, not not staying on message here. It upsets me how much how great that show is, but also the fact that because it comes out on a Monday, it, it obviates most of our show. But that's fine. Uh so this weekend the New York Times had a story about uh, a secret meeting that happened uh, with some product people at Apple with uh, some representatives of the top podcasters uh, who wanted to meet with Apple because they feel that their concerns are not being listened to and that this uh, burgeoning market is is uh, ripe for innovation and that Apple, who is the de facto gatekeeper in podcasting because they control the market and uh, podcasting is a very proprietary Apple-only type of technology... Uh, is being hamstrung by their inability and unwillingness to innovate in this space. Did I get that right? I think you captured most of it, yeah. And and the main point is that that's almost all entirely wrong, which which is upsetting for a couple of reasons. One, Apple didn't invent, po- invent podcasting. Somebody else invented. Uh, were they first? At, were they at first called podcatchers? That sounds. Do you, remember, do you remember back in the old days when you had like iTunes four running on your computer and you had your third generation iPod and you wanted to synchronize an RSS feed to it? You had to run separate software. Yeah, I try not to think about that. Again, folks, the old days of computing were not fun. wasn't Wasn't that long ago either? That's the thing. That was like two thousand five, two thousand six. This is before the netcast revolution. <laughs> These are all jokes nobody's going to get. I think it's a podcast you love from people you trust, right? Does anybody listen to that anymore? I I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I totally respect what he what he does, but yeah, it, it it occupies a weird space. Yeah. Anyway, so the whole article didn't really seem to. It, I don't know if it was it was written by somebody who doesn't understand technology or who was just trying to write a, a story about business or or like dealings, trying to make it seem like Apple was stodgy and and unreasonable. But I'll, I'll. Do you want to focus on the part where they got the technology wrong, or the fact where it, what people seem to want, would fundamentally change what podcasting is? I guess the part that sticks out to me the most is that it's sort of like the sense of entitlement. Like I, I think I think it's interesting to get into the kind of the the ramifications of making the types of changes that supposedly these, you know, in air quotes, top podcasters wanted 
But I think even before we get to that, one of the things that I want to call out is just the fact that why in the hell does Apple owe it to anyone to provide this information? Like, I, I guess one of the things that I, I'm, I'm growing tired of is that people feel that with Apple's products and services that they, they feel like this entitlement to things, like things that Apple doesn't provide or doesn't do, they feel like they, they, they just should do it because that's just, you know, that's just what they should do. And like, I, I don't, I really don't understand that. And I, I can't immediately think of any other company where people have that type of mentality. I definitely agree. And I think that's, that goes back to the whole, well, actually, no, I mean, I think, I think it's a different phenomenon where everybody thinks maybe Apple's the old stodgy way, but I think in a lot of ways, it's not that they refuse to innovate. It's that where people want them to innovate, they want them to say yes to everything where that doesn't necessarily make a better user experience. And with podcasting specifically, they've taken an extremely hands-off approach. And it just happens to be that because iPhones are very popular and iTunes was for like a solid decade, like just kind of the de facto music manager or just like the, the one thing you did for music. And that's where it became kind of the... A directory of record for podcasts and it became synonymous with podcasting and i think all these new companies people or now that podcasting is becoming more of a of a popular medium and, and it has been growing steadily for the past decade people seem to think that their that apple needs to align with their business interests and these business interests are not apple's business interests and they're not really the consumer's business interests either I think that's where the big disconnect in the problem is. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Um, and and the thing is, like, let's say you you're somebody who makes uh, who makes audio programs, and you make something that's just fantastic. There's nothing stopping you from creating a just a strip uh, strip down bare bones uh, application that allows you to charge whatever the hell you want for it and track your users to your heart's content. And just making an app in the app store, but no, you want to be—you're the person that's trying to ride the uh, the independent audio bandwagon of of podcasting and get all the goodwill that comes with that, and all the listeners and and the uh, eyeballs that you're getting from the iTunes podcast directory. Yeah, that, that's that's ex- that's exactly the other point that I was going to make, which is, you know, <laughs> a, you're exactly right, which is if you really want this information. There's nothing stopping you from developing a solution to get it. Except all the friction that you're getting by not being part of the other thing, which is why you deal with the the restrictions that exist. Exactly. Which is that, you know, people are pretending like Apple doesn't do anything for them when in fact, Apple is the reason this entire ecosystem exists. Because like it or not, the Apple podcast directory is the de facto location to find podcasts. And the openness and kind of hands-off approach that that has been dealt with for so long is why new companies are able to start up and it's so, like, getting an audience or at least getting exposure or being found is not that difficult because people looking for audio programs know where to find it. They're not looking for an app from an unknown company that's trying to learn everything they can about their audience so that they can sell it to other people. Exactly. So that's 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 the main thing that really uh, just bothers the crap out of me, is that like it, it's it's not their job to fit your business model, and just because you think that 
you need to be making more money than you're making, but you don't want to put the investment in to make your own custom solution that this company has to now uh, completely upend the way that the the system works and make this and take this medium from just you know it's an mp3 file and it's rss and it gets delivered to people's phones and they listen to it or they don't listen to it and and it and that's the end of the day to something where you now maybe have like a custom proprietary audio format these files are only going to play inside apple's podcast program because like you you aren't going to have third party podcasting clients if your things are wrapped in all these like time coded things that see how how long you listen and and whether somebody skipped over this Mailchimp ad, it it just doesn't work that way. That's that's overcomplicating the situation, and it just it's limit that be, starts limiting the reach and availability of these podcasts. Now, what what I will say though is I I do think so. You know, Marco Arment wrote a, a big piece to kind of rebuttal a lot of what was mentioned in the New York Times article. The thing I do take exception with with his article is that I think he takes it too far in the other direction where he basically says that you know, gathering this data on users and then using that for advertising is this big evil thing that shouldn't be allowed. And I, I don't agree with that entirely because data-driven advertising really is a better form of advertising. It can create ads that are you know, far more relevant, less obtrusive. Now, that's, it's not to say that you know, there are services and websites that don't use data correctly and certainly abuse that information. But I think when used properly, having access to that extra set of data can actually create a better advertising experience. So I think I think he's 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 sort of not he's not making a, a, a nuance enough point there, I don't think. I think that's fair and and very true. But the alternative to that is kind of the point that Jason made on this week's upgrade, which have you listened? I have. Which is that the ease and availability of tracking and all that kind of stuff is what crapped up the web and made that basically a terrible place to be. Well, but but not not universally. I guess that's, that's what kind I'm saying. Kind of universally. Is, yeah, I, I don't think so. Do you, do you use ad blockers? Do you use Ghostry? You know, I I really don't anymore. I, I I've tried it off and on, and but we, but when you tried it, did you ever bother to look at all the ad trackers <laughs> that are running on even reputable sites? No, that's the thing. Like even the New York Times or places or like the Washington Post, places that you'd expect decent, especially if you're a paying subscriber. There are so many uh, tracking protocols and scripts and all this kind of crap that's embedded into that web experience. So I do think that there is reason to be cautious about maybe making a new format where that tracks the user just a bit. Like I'm not I'm not alarmist about this. I don't mind advertising when appropriate. As with TiVo, I will skip it if it becomes too obtrusive. But I, I think putting this on Apple and and forcing them to be like putting them in the role of just because they've been a steward of podcasting in that they've provided attention to it in a reasonable enough development. Like I think hiring one or two guys to kind of administrate the the podcast page, I think that's prop they've fulfilled like 70% of their role, to be honest. I think they might potentially even be expand that or be more, um, have more people assigned to uh, provide more depth and and, ex- and expand the uh, curation 
and and um, editorial side of things. But other than that, in terms of like a technology side, I don't see the benefit of Apple fundamentally changing this, making it something that because ultimately this would make podcasting more proprietary. Or alternatively, if you're a podcaster, let's say Apple makes a format and then Spotify does, and then Google Play Music does, and then uh, Amazon or whoever, like everybody else. If if you now have to make six different file formats or something so that your podcasts play on on whatever service happens to be doing some sort of tracking, like I think that makes this a far more difficult type of of business and or hobby, depending on who you are. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, so overall, I I just I don't know. Apple Apple's not in the. I think Apple has shown this many times in their history. They're they're not in the business of of making your business work. I mean, nor nor should they be. I mean, they really shouldn't be. That's the thing. They shouldn't have to. Like, I think in a lot of a lot of ways, like the thirty percent cut that they take on things is a bit onerous and 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 unreasonable. But also, I think people a lot a lot of time they lose sight of the fact that bit some businesses only exist because of the fact that being on Apple's platform brings you eyeballs and customers that just would never be there. Yeah, well I think people yeah, people at the very least lose sight of the value that has. Yeah. I think we're the original value creators. I I I, I agree. With our star directory. Mhm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's that was pretty good. Mhm. All right. Um should we I mean, so I guess that we've got one other little topic here, the the DraftKings FanDuel thing. Do you want to get into that or? Um... Uh, just a quick, uh, quick uh, question for you. Have you, uh, have you seen any FanDuel or DraftKings ads in the past like three months? So I haven't seen any um, like TV ads, but I have, I still do see like their logos on, you know, like NBA courts, for example. Or like on, you know, the, um, like throughout like stadiums that you see on TV if you're watching baseball or hockey. Sure. But, um, but actually standalone like commercials, no. But I guess I'm wondering whether that's because of the kind of PR stuff they're going through now or if it's because it's, we're just not in football season. And I, I do think it's football that drives most of that TV advertising that we see. But which is, isn't there one of them, doesn't one of them have a big, uh, like they're like a quarter owned or there's like a gigantic investment from Major League Baseball? Well, I think, I mean, yeah, I think both, both of them have investments from all four of the major sports. Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, I I haven't, I haven't seen ads lately, but I I guess I, I want to see, like if we get to the next football season in the fall and there, we still don't see many ads, then I would be convinced that this is truly a change, but kind of hard to say what the, what the cause to the effect is here. Got it. All right. Uh, we'll also wrap this up with picks of the week. Sure. I'm going to volunteer you. Okay. Um, so I don't know if this is acceptable here, but I'm going to have a non-technology pick, if if that's okay. That's encouraged. Okay. Um, so my my pick this week is the Nutra Ninja Pro Deluxe BL451. So it rolls right off the tongue. Um, and this is a... I genuinely have no idea what this product is even about. So this is a... Um, it's basically... A, it's, it's a blender... 
it, but it, it's you the better way to think of it i think is sort of like um do you remember the whole like magic bullet thing yeah like the the little like infomercial small smoothie blender yeah thing. exactly like yeah like a like a smoothie blender or like a kind of a personal personalized blender or something like personal size blender rather um that'd be the best way i would describe this thing but except it, it's a um much more heavy duty version of the magic bullet so i actually received the magic bullet years ago as a christmas gift and it was great i used it quite a bit but it broke because it was kind of a cheap kind of thing but so the, this neutron ninja is it looks similar but again much much more heavy duty and much much more powerful and it was uh kind of like at the amazon like gold deal of the day or whatever so it was a pretty pretty significant discount uh sometime last week and so i i picked it up and it's it's awesome the the set that i got comes with the blender itself and then it comes with a couple different sized uh little i don't know what you would would call these but um basically little cups that you then can attach the blade to and then once you're done blending you can put a, a enclosable lid on top so you can go from just kind of throwing things into the cup blending it and then putting the lid on it and then away you go and it works works really really well it's and you can kind of tell right from the get go that it uh you know <laughs> works works quite a bit better than my my magic bullet ever did. Well, cool. Yeah. Does it have any uh type of smart component to it? <laughs> no. It is a uh is is it is a a dumb blender, I guess. Well, that's not very nice. Well, it's you know, just it's true. Your your words not mine. No, that's not what I said at all. <laughs> but no, no, no no smartphone component or anything. I suppose you could have a smoothie recipe app if if you so desired on your phone, but that would be that would be it. It's no June smart oven. No, that's right. Uh, I don't really have a good pick of the week, so I'm gonna fall back to my uh, my baser instincts. I'm gonna do a snack pick. Is that acceptable? Oh yes, very much. So is is this from Trader Joe's? It is not. This is actually from the Berkeley Bowl. I'm sorry for what? What'd you call me? You know what the Berkeley Bowl is, don't you? I don't. I don't think I do. Let me uh, send you a picture. Is it? Or, uh, is is this actually in Berkeley? Yeah, okay. it's a um, it's a Berkeley grocery store, but it is a ridiculous grocery store. In in what way? Like just so much produce, so much everything. Like it. It is not a replacement for Safeway, but just you, if you are ever in the East Bay. Well, so you work in the East Bay. Yeah, but not not really not really close to Berkeley. Yeah, if you if you, on days that you drive in. Yeah, okay, that's true. If, if you're going by the Bay Bridge, you should stop in. It's it's nuts. So this is not like an, an in-house product. I'm sure you can find this elsewhere. Uh, but you've heard of Three Twins ice cream? I have. Yes. So they make a, a line of ice cream sandwiches. Ooh. And they have a vanilla bean ice cream sandwich. And it's 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 a nice it's I mean it's it's a frozen product, but it tastes so good, and it's it, it, it's perfect. And you should try it. It's eight bucks for a pack of four. It's a little steep, but they they are delicious. Is this the uh, Madagascar vanilla ice cream wafer sandwich? Yes. Wait, wafer. Hold on. Send me a link. Um. That sounds wrong. Well, hold on. Hold on a second. We got. 
So I'm, I'm just on the, the Three Twins website here, but I, using my handy shortcut here, I can take a screenshot, I can copy, no, it's, and I it's can not paste. This. Oh my gosh. Slack sometimes with screenshots is infuriating. Sometimes sometimes you can paste in, sometimes you have to drag in. It's why do why do you I, I never I never paste, I just drag. Okay. Well there there you go. That that's that's what I'm looking at. No, it's this. Oh that that's not it. Oh yeah, that, that looks better. So much better. And um do I do I have to go to the Berkeley Bowl for this? I I can't get this in like I'm sure you can get it many places, but I'm recommend. So that's that home. That's my, that's my tertiary. That's my actually. I'm, I'm demoting this pick because if you haven't been to the Berkeley Bowl, you need to go. Ooh, they do a sea salted caramel ice cream sandwich too. They need to stop with the sea salt. Oh, sea salt caramel is a great combination. It's, though it's not anything that says salted caramel. I'm done with. I'm sick of it. No, I it's, it's, I I disrespectfully disagree. <laughs> it's 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 the new what, what's what's the it. Sea salt caramel is the sriracha of like. Oh, don't get me started on sriracha. That 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 you and I can agree on is no. There's so many like there are like hipster food term like buzzwords that I am losing my mind over, and I can't think of any other ones other than sriracha right now. If you if you mention something, I I'm sure I'll think of it. But what else is there? I don't I don't like. I don't like see on the website here. It tells you locations that they sell Three Twins ice cream, but they don't tell you specifically which products they carry. Well, that's the thing. Cause I don't, I don't I like, like even, that because every Safeway sells like at least like a pint of like chocolate. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm looking at them. That's, they, uh, that's why I'm saying you got to go to the Berkeley Bowl because again, you you will not be disappointed. There is something for everyone. Yeah, but I I would, I would rather just get them from a grocery store nearby. I mean, I I'll literally go out and get these this weekend if it's somewhere nearby. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna well, ch- check it out. I'm sure the Marina Safeway has something like this. Yeah, perhaps. But it, they are so good because normally frozen foods, like it, either the ice cream is is super gross, or like the cookies on top are not even close to being cookies. Very, very good. Hmm. As in as as a as a, a tertiary pick, since my my backup choice was uh, the Berkeley Bowl, is uh, Three Twins Mint Confetti Ice Cream. Ugh. The best flavor that they have. Ugh. What do you mean? I, not a not a big mint ice cream guy. Then you're buying the wrong kind. No, disrespectfully disagree. Well, ag- agree to disagree. Okay, here's here's your homework. Whenever you drive to work in the next month, you go buy yourself yourself a, a five ounce single serving of mint confetti ice cream, and the Madagascar vanilla bean ice cream sandwiches from Three Twins, and you buy yourself a bottle of sparkling wine, and everybody has a good time. Yeah, I've never really. I don't. I don't know if I've ever actually bought like a pint of twin, uh, three twins ice cream, but man, they've got some some pretty nice looking flavors here. They do. Ben and Jerry's is over. Oh, see, I, no, I I disagree with that. <laughs> ben and Jerry's is is quite good. In fact, they actually I just saw on Bart this morning they've they've got some. You ever had one of the the pints of the core ice cream? N- ugh. Yes, and yuck. Oh, the, see, it's one of my favorites. And they just they came out with three new flavors recently. I, I need I need to try those. Okay, you you need to you need to try three twins so that you can get rid of cookies and cream cheesecake. Get out of here! That sounds disgusting. That's one of the new core ones. It sounds sounds delicious. That's the one that I want to try. Oh, all of these sound terrible. Coconuts for caramel. Yeah, that one doesn't sound the best. 
brownie batter core. Mm. Well, to be fair, tr- I'm looking at three twins here. They've got bra- brownie batter chunk. I'm sure it's great. And they've got butterscotch pecan. Ooh. Um, mocha difference. That's, pr- that's pretty good. <laughs> they also have uh, Sergio Roma's Mexican chocolate. See, they have a lot of good flavors. Yeah, I, 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 do, I do enjoy Mexican chocolate, so I, I, I would actually like to try this one. It's quite good. Oh, you've, you've had it? Oh, multiple times. Again, the Berkeley Bowl has a very extensive flavor selection. Of I don't, I don't want to go all the way to Berkeley. I, I, I can't. You work, in, you work in Oakland. Yeah, yeah, but. Seriously, if you're going to the Bay Bridge, it's like an extra half mile. Yeah, but I don't, I don't usually drive. Find an excuse to drive. <laughs> yeah. All right, I think we're done with this here episode. Okay.